welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. 21 days of prayer coming up. We've heard the calls. I don't know why you didn't like 6am. Like, really? Half the day's gone by then anyway, so like... Seriously, so we've heard the calls. We've moved it to 5 p.m. Is that, yeah, well, I, I wanted to hear a few more woos sort of things in the house. So 5 p.m. So here, thank you. Here is my challenge to you. It's my same challenge I give every time. Would you come to once per week? It's not 5 a.m., as much as I wanted it, okay? It's 5 p.m. Wow, fantastic. Now, I know a whole pile of you work and study and a whole pile of stuff going on all that, but you don't work and study seven days a week. There's Saturday and Sunday, isn't there? I'm doing the first one on the Sunday, okay? 5 p.m. I challenge you to come to one per week. That's three times of prayer. Now, you might say an hour is a long time. It is not when you're praying. It goes really fast. Come and see and see if I'm right. Test me, okay? Try me out and see if it works, all right? Now, what we're going to be doing is we'll be here mostly, but sometimes excess is on a Friday night, so we'll need to be in other parts unless you want to be here praying while the band's warming up. It's Matt's probably going to be a bit loud, isn't it? So what we'll do is we'll be in different parts. So just come here at 5 p.m., find your way through. We'll make it known or have a sign or something where we're going to be, and we'll pray together. It's really important that we pray together. Things happen when we pray. This time, uh, we're going to be praying for the needs outside of the life of this church. We will, of course, pray for Excess Easter Camp, which is coming up, but um, we'll be praying for the needs of the world, okay, and outward focused. So I encourage you to come. Come and join us in prayer we began our series entitled Essence, and we're focusing on the things that we must do and the, the people we must be as church. And I ended last week with a quote from a journalist who resides in the United States, a non-Christian journalist, and his reflections on the church and certain expressions of that church. The church that he was criticizing or, or, or um, reflecting on was our part of the church, Okay. So we're included in what he was saying. And it's a powerful quote and one that bears repeating as we consider who we are and what we do as church. I'm going to repeat it again. He says this, I'm not religious, so it is not my place to dictate to Christians what they should and should not believe. Still, if someone has a faith worth following, I feel their belief should make me feel uncomfortable for not doing so. It's a powerful line, isn't it? If they share 90% of my lifestyle and values, then there is nothing especially inspiring about them. Listen to this last line. Instead of me making me, making me want to become more like them, it looks very much as if they want to become more like me. And last week I introduced the three C's. I'm so delighted I managed to get a series that starts with the same letter. The three C's of who we are as church, community, commitment and cause. And what I'm doing and what I'm about is giving our church a clear understanding of who we are and what we're doing. Are we a service club? No, we are not. We have other higher 
and different priorities and principles that we are being called towards. So last week, to recap, I spoke about the need for significant community and that at Seeds, this is found primarily in small groups. It's the place where you can connect, where you can have a deeper relationship that are not possible in a church with the breadth that we have. Small groups are the key cornerstone, the corner building blocks of what we are about and how we need to relate to each other. And we are organising ourselves around small groups. If you are wanting help, if you want more information, if you want to know more about small groups in any facets, then Rod, Rod Dyson is the person to talk to. His email address is on our website. You can call here at the church office, make a time to see him or talk with him. I also do want to encourage existing groups to prayerfully consider who in their group they could release to be a leader to start a new group. We are critically short of leaders. Now, I know that not everybody is ready for that, and that's quite okay, but I want us to be open to what God wants to say to us and where God wants to lead us. Also, I wonder if there's some existing groups who would like to pick up the Alpha material and run Alpha in their small groups. It's a fantastic series. You can run it easily at home. We can enable that to happen, no problems at all. And it's quite helpful for many people to run Alpha. If you want to run it, then we'd love to talk to you about it. If you need extra financial resources, then we have some set aside for Alpha that you will be able to access. And so I encourage you to think about this. So today I want to talk about the big C word, commitment. And all the guys leave the building. (laughs) And like normal for me, I want to take you to a Bible passage. So if you've got your Bibles or a smartphone or whatever, you want to open up to this well-known passage, Hebrews 12. There are many sermons in Hebrews 12 and these first three verses. I'm only going to preach one right now. Of course, we start with my favourite word, therefore which you've ever listened to me before, it's a word we must take notice of because what we're about to read hinders on what has all come before. What comes before is this great list of people who've been incredibly faithful to God, even unto death. They were known with their steadfast faith and loyalty to God and all um, God's people. And all that stuff, when we hit... Verse 1 of chapter 12, all that that's been, uh, all that we've read now feeds into this, which feeds into us. It applies now to us. And so we're about to hear all that stuff that has been about the famous people and not so famous people. How does this, what does this mean for how we live our lives? So here we go. So therefore, it's an appendage to the following words. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... So last week, as you know, I talked a lot about community. And here in this passage, it tells us that the community that we have all around us is very important. In fact, the community that has gone before us is very important. When we stand in church, when we join the church, when we are part of the church, we stand in a long line of thousands and tens of thousands, millions and possibly even billions of people that have come before us that have followed Jesus faithfully and have now gone. In theological language, what we're talking about is the visible, which is those that we can see around us, church, and the invisible church, those who have gone before us, those who have passed away. And there's all sorts of words you can use. The 
They've been elevated to heaven or graduated to glory or living with the king. Lots of euphemisms you can use to make the phrase people who are part of the church but are with the Lord at this moment. So what we need to know is that we are in the lineage, the heritage of those who have shown extreme commitment. Those who have dug deep and given a lot, some have given all to follow Jesus. And so these are our people. This is our culture as people of faith. So today I talk about commitment and I talk about it as an, as an old idea. This is not a new idea. I'm not bringing you a new teaching. This is who we always have been and we stand in that line. The history of our faith is the history of commitment. It's also the history of commitment with cost. Now, as soon as I link those two words together, can, can you believe it? another C word? Those two things together, commitment and cost, it becomes very, very unpopular. And those two words are, are in our context and in our society are to be avoided altogether, except we love the outcome that they produce. Let me give you an example. Uh, there's a story told of Michael Jordan, arguably the greatest basketball of all time. The story is that his coach, that he calls his coach at 5 a.m. one morning. Now, his coach was used to getting up early, uh, as all really significant people are used to getting up. <laughs> and he calls his coach and says, Coach, can you come down to the court? I, I want to run through some plays and some, some, uh, some facets of my game uh, with you watching. And so his coach comes down to the court and he finds Michael Jordan all lathered up, obviously has been training already for some hours. Cost and commitment. Maybe this year we'll get to see the Olympics. Who knows? Maybe, if COVID permits. What will we see on our screen? The intersection again between cost and commitment, won't we? We've been watching the AFLW and soon we're watching the AFL. What do you think we celebrate when we see them on our big screen or when we go to the ground, we'll see the, the intersection between cost and commitment, won't we? And we'll be watching, you know, 40,000 of us watching 36 players who have paid the cost and have shown the commitment to be out there on the oval. And what will be happening? There'll be 36 players on the oval who desperately need rest and there'll be 40,000 of us who desperately need exercise. That's what will be going on. Our faith, our faith is about commitment. This should not be a surprise to us. This has always been the case. Read Hebrews chapter 11 and you will see the commitment shown by all those who have gone before us. Second point, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us, another salad reference, just for those that were there last week. Um, this is the joining sentence and it tells us everything that we need to get rid of, the things that stop us having connection with those who have gone before us in faith. So what are those things? The text tells us everything that hinders and sin. It makes the distinction there for us. What then are those things that hinder and what is sin? Well, the things that hinder are the things that draw us away from where God wants us to go and what God wants us to do. And what is sin? Everything that comes in the place of God, everything that stops us worshipping God because we're worshipping something 
else, another idol. Anything that draws us away or comes in the place of God is what this passage is talking about. There are many things we could think of that draw us away from God or come in the place of God that we could think about. It gets real uncomfortable real quick when we start talking about that, doesn't it? So let me rephrase this Bible verse. Let us throw off everything that distracts us or gets in the way of commitment to God. I wonder what it is that distracts us. You see, I think the commitment to God is just about our highest priority. It's just about the only thing that we should do. A great saint of the early church said once, love God and do whatever you want. I love that. Love God and do whatever you want. There's a lot of truth in that. Commitment to God then guides all that we do. What we need to be careful about is the drift that commitment becomes optional. Like I'll have it today but I'll, on Sunday, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave it on Monday because it doesn't quite fit with my plans. It does matter. It probably matters the most. The drift is shown in all sorts of ways, not, not just church attendance, but I've got to say, I don't understand when I hear Christians saying, I don't need to worship, because I'm like, I don't know how he can be a solo Christian. I don't find that in my Bible. It's about giving. It's about serving. It's about sharing. It's about being hospitable. It's about in, being in self-discipline. It's about being in growing. And there are so many things that the drift happens in our commitment. The Bible's telling us here not to let things get in the way of our commitment to God. And it's really clear. Third point. End of verse 1. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. So here, really, the commitment part unfolds before us. Do you see these, these two words? Perseverance and race. Two words that tell us strongly about commitment. We all know... We all know that a good runner never turns up unprepared for a race. True? They turn up ready to go, ready to run that particular race. And, and I know one particular marathon runner, a, a really good friend of mine, who has attempted many marathons. And she tells me, and I mean, I've never run a marathon, so I, so I don't know, and I know some of you here have done, but she tells me in her marathon running, the easy bit is when she gets to the start of running the marathon because the training was all arduous and difficult, and that was the hard part. The marathon was then the fate complete. The encouragement here in this verse of Hebrews 12 is for us to run and run for a long time. This is true for us individually, as it is true for us as a church, as a whole church. And so for me, this sparks a thought that what we do here corporately when we gather together is only is only the culmination of what we bring individually a few weeks back when I was doing the series on gratitude and I was talking about the river do you remember that we had some sheets down the middle of the and we were talking about different things and changed up a bit um, someone mentioned to me a very interesting thought and they said that the Murray River was was a bit like our church in its width and its depth and and how it moved 
And here, and this is the interesting bit, um, they said that we're all individually like the tributaries and small rivers and the trickles that flow in that make up the various parts of the river, that spiritually add to the river. And I've thought about that a lot since then. I thought, how true is that? We all bring different parts to the church. For the way we run our spiritual race influences all of us. And what we bring influences all of us. It's true that we must have a corporate perseverance, but it's also true that we must have an individual perseverance as well. So the question comes to me, what do I bring to this? What do you bring to this? Do I come to have my needs met? Well, there is some sense of that as we gather together corporately that we do get our needs met. But if that's the sum total, then we've got a problem, haven't we? And we're all the poorer if all I'm doing is coming to take rather than contribute. So the question is, have I done the quiet, personal, perseverance work that is needed to contribute to the whole? So that when I come and when we gather, I can actually contribute spiritually to this whole body, which is God's church in this place. The point I'm making here is a simple but profound one and it's one that I don't want you to miss right at this moment. When it comes to commitment, we have to be just as committed to our own spiritual growth as we are committed to each other. They go hand in hand. The Christian word for this, the word we've used for a long time, is the Christian word discipleship. But I'm recasting that word and using commitment in that sense because that word has become so hackneyed and and no one really understands it anyway. Commitment to God working in us and God working in here amongst us is what I want to talk about. And I'm going to pad this out over the year. I hope this makes sense to you. Because we can, if we can understand this and live into it, it makes a difference to us and to the community that we are part of. My next point, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Verse two, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. So here's the, here is the target for us. Here, here is our goal. If you ever wonder what our goal is, our goal is Jesus and our eyes should be on him. This is the goal of our running, to run towards Jesus. And there's more commitment implications than, than I, I want to pad out right at this very moment. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, we are not looking at anything else. Our focus is on Jesus and Jesus alone. Let me tell you a secret. Let me tell you a carpentry secret. Secret. It's what, it's what many carpenters know, but they won't tell you. Okay, I'm just going to tell you this secret just between us and the internet. Okay, so it's really, really safe. If you want to drive a nail into a piece of timber and you don't want it to bend or twist over or, or for you to miss hit it, then this is what you need to do. You need to stop looking at the shank of the nail going in the piece of timber and you need to only look at the head of the nail where you want to hit. Does that make sense? Okay. You will hit, am I right here, Mark? You will hit what your eyes are looking at. 
And so many people are tempted to look at the nail going in and not at what they are hitting. And they'll hit it every time. When you focus your attention at Jesus, all other things come into proper focus and into their proper place. You get where I'm going with this, don't you? So when we talk about commitment, I'm talking about commitment to Jesus and Jesus alone. We are a church who fixes our eyes on Jesus and we have a shared and an individual commitment to him. So on the wall out there in white lettering, it's got written, our stated aim is to bring people to church. No, it doesn't say that. Please say that loudly. No, it doesn't say that. It says to bring people to a worship service. It doesn't say that either. It says to bring people to small groups, to community. No, it doesn't say that. It says our stated aim is to bring people to... Oh, wonderful. So good. Fantastic. Now, of course, when we have a commitment to Jesus, of course we have a commitment to those things that are important to him as well. His people, his church... Serving the world. Like I said before, we have a commitment to our own personal growth in faith. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, we quickly realise that as our life is not as all as it should be and it needs some work inside of us. And I think probably every time I've had a unique, wonderful experience of God, where I've felt close to God, where I understand God more, where like I hear God more, I realise there are things in me that need changing. So the more I see Jesus and the more I know Jesus, the more I know I need to be saved and changed and resolved and made new and transformed. There's attitudes inside of me and thoughts inside of me, and things that I do and things that I want to do that are not in accordance with God's will, the more I see Jesus. So let me ask you a question. How long has it been since you asked Jesus to do an audit of your life where you've looked at him and you've allowed him to look at you? How long has it been since you generally asked Jesus to evaluate your attitudes, your values, and your lifestyles? I ask these questions and raise this with you today as I did last week because when I hear and see people reflecting an attitude that church is more about them than God or God's agenda, I know there has not been enough soul work done in the members of our church. Our church needs to mature in Jesus. We need to fix our eyes on him and jettison all those things that are not in keeping with Jesus. So let me recap. We are a church that has a commitment to Jesus and to the things that are important to Jesus and also a commitment to our own personal growth in faith. I'm going to pad that out for the rest of the year. Lastly, verse 3, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him. I take this that the him there is the subject in the sentence is Jesus, so let's consider Jesus. Why we should do that? Because he is our example in life. When we display commitment to this cause of Jesus, we will come across opposition. People will not like our attitudes and our values because they are different and they make people feel guilty or bad or awkward because what we are doing in acting in a Christ-like manner is we are shining light on non-Christ-like manner. 
like the quote said, I should feel uncomfortable. Do people feel uncomfortable around us and our attitudes? So this will be our reality too. See what it says here. Consider him who endured so, so much opposition from sinners. This will be true of us as well. And the sentence goes on, that we will not grow weary and lose heart, that we remain committed to the cause. In other words, think about all that Jesus went through when you go through the same so that your commitment does not waver. But it's not just when things are hard. In fact, following Jesus, I find, is probably easier when things are hard. The church always grows when there's opposition. It's easy. It's when things are going along swimmingly and no problems. My friends, whew, I've said way too much today. That's the problem of not preaching for four weeks. You've got to fit it all in the next four. That's a joke, sorry. Let me finish with this. We are going to be a church of commitment. I'm calling it to commitment. Committed to this community, our community, the community around us, committed to each other, committed to our saviour, committed to our own growth in faith, committed to reaching the lost. And I'm probably next week, I'm probably going to preach the most important sermon I've ever preached in my life. I challenge you to come and be there. And we're committed to our shared growth in faith. We build each other up in love and faith. Let me pray. Lord, don't let us be passenger Christians. Don't let us just walk along and, and bump along and, and nothing changes. Challenge us, Lord. Challenge us with commitment to stand for something. Hold on to you with our eyes firmly fixed on you. May this week as we go, may we consider you in all that we do. And may others see your light shining out through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.